Bring us to work, church. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 28. Genesis chapter 28, we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 22, a little bit of lengthy scripture tonight. After you find that, turn to Genesis 35, 1 through 15. Genesis 28, if you're there, say amen. Hallelujah. Verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven and there the angels of God was ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac, and the land which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, the north and the south. And in you and your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you. Wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done what I've spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. First of all, that's a sad place to be to know that God is there and you have no clue that He's there. It's a very sad place to be. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way, that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I am back to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Now go to verse or chapter 35. 1 through 15. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands, and the earrings, was which in their ears, Jacob hid them under the tree which was in Shechem. And they journeyed, and the, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. 
and he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried in Bethel under the tree. So the name of the place was Alan Bacath. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall be called Jacob. In, excuse me. Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac I give to you and to your descendants after you. I give this land. Then God went up from him in the palace where he talked with him. So Jacob set a pillar in this place when he talked with him, a pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering on it and he poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of this place where God spoke with him, Bethel. Lord, I thank you, God, that your word stays true from past, present, and future, Lord. And I just ask you to bless this time right now. Lord, I pray that hearts will be changed for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Lengthy verse, I hope you got it. Here's the picture. Jacob had a nice dream on a rock. He saw angels ascending and descending from heaven. He had an experience with God. I mean, okay, have you had a dream, seen angels go up and down ladders? Has God talked to you like that? Well, something happened with Jacob, okay? You've got you to picture this. Something happened so unique with Jacob, he started tithing. <laughs> Jacob had an encounter with God. And if you go back and if you look in Scripture, that was the first encounter that Jacob really had with God. And it was such an encounter, he changed his whole life. Everything was changed. But you remember earlier in Jacob's life, there was the principle of sowing and reaping. After his experience with God, he had to go visit his uncle. Yeah, things got a little tricky there. Come and, you know, come work for me. Seven years, you can have my daughter. Y'all know the story. Seven years later, you can have this one, not the one you want. Then after that, seven more years, okay, you can have that one. Read what you sow. That's not the point. Tonight, the message is getting back to Bethel. Getting back to, Be- getting back to Bethel. Getting back to your first love. Your first love. I remember a time growing up that there was a place in Mayo, Florida. I finally found a town bigger than Mayo, Florida. It's called Delta Junction. Yeah, it's bigger. Y'all thought Delta was small. But that was a place that it was a childhood memory of mine that I always wanted to go back and I wanted to visit my friends. So I went back as I got older. And things are different. You have a different perspective of a little town when you get older. I remember as a young boy walking from one side of town to the other going to the circus. And it seemed like it took forever to get there. And then going back, the place was different. The woods that I played in, 
when I was my son's age, which, as a parent, I got to talk to my parents, why would you let me do what I did whenever I was six years old? Because I wouldn't let my son play in those woods. Anyway, so I go back to the place and the woods are gone. The baseball field I snuck into was gone. Things had changed. But what had changed, the same people were there. You know, small towns are different. Most small towns you grow up, you grow up in it, you marry somebody from the small town, you live in the small town, you die in the small town. Small town mentality. Well, what happens is, Jacob... Jacob has this awesome experience with Jesus. He has this massive life-changing experience with Jesus, and then life throws him a curveball for a long time. And who in here, well, first of all, raise your hand if you're saved. Trying to figure out who I'm preaching to. So if you didn't raise your hand, we can fix that after service, but I'm really talking to the saved folks tonight. But, you know, the other people can get saved too. But listen, here's the deal. Here's what happens. Life throws them a curveball. Has life threw you a curveball? Yeah? Life's thrown me plenty of curveballs. I'm a baseball fan, so sometimes you can hit the curveballs and dodge them, and they don't have to really affect you. But in this case... Jacob had a little bit of an issue of marrying the wrong woman he didn't want to marry. That's a curveball. Guys can say hallelujah, amen, because you don't want to marry the wrong woman. Here's what happens. While he's in this mess, dealing with this life circumstance, he has, you know, God stayed with him through it all. God stayed with Jacob all the way through the trials and their circumstances. Now remember, Jacob already had the experience, and if you will, he had the salvation experience because he got a hold of God. God got a hold of him. Now here's what happens. Through this life circumstance, we read that Jacob had to go to his family, go to his staff, go to everybody that worked for him and said, Hey, God said we have to go back to Bethel. We have to go back, but before we can go back, you have to get rid of all your false gods. You have to get rid of all this stuff that is not of God. Now, I preached this message Sunday night to our church, and I really felt strong about preaching it here tonight because this is a message that is for everyone. Something special is happening in Delta Junction, if you don't know the church is blowing up, and it's because God is doing something crazy. It is just mind-blowing. From a prophetic word spoken by Pastor Bracken in 2006, the church was started. I heard it Sunday morning as I was preaching on vision. Here's what happens. Vision is progressive. And as it grows, other people's vision grows. Jacob was a man of vision. 
He had an awesome way to uh, manipulate sheep. And he knew what he had to do to provide for his family. And he knew what God could do for his family. But the only thing was, he was not being the priest of his family. Because if he was being the priest of his family, doing his job, why was there false gods in the house? Why was there... Why did they have to clean house? Why did they have to change their clothes? Because they let the world get a hold of them. And God says, no, 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 it's time to get back to Bethel. Now, Bethel represents a lot of things. It represents a lot of things. In this case, Bethel represents the time where Jacob met God. Jacob had such an encounter with God, like I said before, his life was totally changed. He started tithing again. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it for the third time. He started tithing. Okay. Now, Jacob cleans house, goes back to Bethel. Why did he go back to Bethel? Well, the first one is because God told him to. Once again, everybody's saved. Raise your hand. Answer me this question, but not out loud, just do it within yourself. How were you when you got saved? Of course you started tithing. Okay? Of course you have. And you're still faithful tithers now, praise God. You had passion. You had hunger. You were up at 5.30 logging into EMP on Skype every week. You were doing the deal. You had passion. You had hunger for God. But what happened in between? What happened in between that time? Now see, it don't matter if you get saved 20 years ago or 10 minutes ago. If you die, you're going to heaven. But what happens in that time frame between when you get saved and to the time you presently are now, the question is, what are you doing? Are you, do you still have that same passion level? Do you still have that same hunger? Are you still praying? Are you still fasting? Are you still believing? Are you still witnessing? What are you doing? This was a question I had to ask myself. What was I doing? Ask yourself the same question. What are you doing? This message is the message I got saved to when I was 17. I remember when I got saved. Yeah, I was 17 when I got saved. Just because you're a preacher's kid, you can bust bust hell wide open. And I was good at being a preacher's kid. But I was very horrible at being a saved preacher's kid until I was 17. When When I got saved, I remember the preacher. I remember where I prayed at. See, that's the Bethel for me. That's the place. I had the mixture of my Petra tapes. Petra people. Hallelujah. Yeah. I had the 
But mixed in, in between it, I had my Garth Brooks. I had my George Strait. You know, I'm a country kind of a guy. You can't tell. And I cleaned house. I kept my Petra. For one, I loved it. Second, my parents hated it. They were Southern Gospel all the way. I cleaned house. I had all my Christian tapes. I remember, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to live this way no matter what. I went to school. I joined SCA. Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I was there at Meet You at the Pole. I was not ashamed of the Gospel. Until six weeks later. Then I became a closet Christian. But are you still on fire though? Whenever you got saved. That's enough about me, but now it's about you. Are you still on fire? Are you still doing the deal now than 20 years ago? Or five weeks ago or last week or whatever. Are you still doing the same thing? See, here's the thing. We serve a great God. He has mercy. He has compassion. He is a God of judgment. But if you look, when God told Jacob to go back to Bethel, He just didn't tell him to go back for a visit. He told him to dwell there. He told him to dwell in Bethel. So, to help you out tonight, I looked up what dwell means. The first definition is to live or stay as a permanent resident. Guess what? I live and I stay in Alaska and I'm a resident. I'll tell you why. Because in October, I'm getting my first PFD. Oh yeah, and I will tithe on that. Second of all, is to live in or continue in a given condition or state. He told, Jacob told his family, we're going back to Bethel because God told us to dwell there. He didn't say go back for a visit, go back for a vacation. He says go live in my presence. We're going to go back and we're going to go make this place home. Why? Because God met me there. That's what happened. Now the thing is, God's calling everyone back to Bethel. He's calling us all back to Bethel. Now, it might be for the first time. It might be for the second time. It might be for the 20th time. But your fire can always have another log put on it. It could. Mine can. Yours can. We all can. God wants to do something special in Wasilla. He wants to do special in Alaska. Delta Junction. And I just look at this saying, wow. I challenge my people on Sunday night about their passion level. Their hunger level. Because they don't know it, but we're fixing to get into a fight. I mean... (laughs) I listened to the prophetic word of Pastor Daniel in 2006. And it talked about these things that were not able to be mentioned on microphone. He couldn't say it. But he was talking about this dark cloud over the city. 
this demonic cloud over the city. Guess what? It's still there. People are hurting. You know what? They're hurting here too. Their passion has died off. People in Delta's passions died off. And God's just saying, hey, we're going to do something in Delta. He wants to do something in Wasilla. You know, it's nice to come home. It's nice to see everybody. I can't wait to get back to Delta. For one, we're getting a new building. (laughs) But I miss the people there. It is a small town. Wasilla is a big town. Okay, it's it's big to Delta. Okay, it's got a Starbucks, okay? But I came to a realization about four weeks ago. And this was the comparison that I compared Delta to. It's the same comparison I'm going to compare Wasilla to tonight. You know the difference between Wasilla or Delta Junction? In the cathedral in Maui, they just have a bigger church. People are still dying here and going to hell. That's the only difference. I told the folks there a few weeks ago, I'm tired of playing church. I'm tired of going through the motions. I am. It's probably not the most popular thing, but I told them if they're going to continue to do that, find a different church. Because we're going to take over that city for Jesus. The whole spirit of religion there is going to break. People are, I mean, it's a sad thing whenever you walk into a store and they're like, King's Chapel, we never heard of you. I guess Delta. Everybody knows everybody's business, but they don't know who we are. So God's opening up doors left and right. And guess what happens? We call them back to Bethel. And we says, hey, we got a message for you. God loves you. You've been playing church long enough. It's time to get back to Bethel. Get back to your first love. I mean, you might not get it, but I remember on my knees, crying. Pouring my heart out. Jumping up, being on fire. And then God said, what happened to the fire? What happened to the hunger? What happened to the passion? What happened? Boy, clean up your house. All the filth of the world that you've been living in, clean it up. Get back to me. God did not send His Son to die on the cross so we can play church. He didn't. And it's amazing to me that no matter what happens, God has never stopped loving me. This was very unique to me. And we're going to end this shortly. But I want you to pay attention to this. 
I'm not going to go through all the Scripture, but if you notice in chapter 12 of Genesis, chapter 26 of Genesis, and chapter 35, God makes a promise. He makes a covenant. It's a generational covenant. God spoke to Abraham in chapter 12. Isaac in chapter 26. 35, Jacob. Now see, God made the covenant with Abraham first. Then He made the covenant with Isaac. Jacob almost missed the covenant. First, he had to get back to Bethel. He had to get his life right. He went back to Bethel and then he got the promise. Now, I don't know about you, but I know there's a generational promise For me. But the only way that it will ever get to my son, get to my children, get to my daughter, is if I get back to Bethel. The promises that God gave to your parents. It's a generational promise. But you can screw it up for your kids by being selfish and greedy, not doing it God's way, doing it your way. God's calling you back to Bethel tonight. Maybe for the first time or the 50th time. I don't care. It's between you and God. Don't teach your children out of the blessings that God wants to bless them. I didn't get that until later on in life. My kids get older. But you know something else? It's great to have the blessings. But you know what's going to happen? If you don't get back to Bethel, you're still going to do a generational something. You're going to start passing on the generational curse. So yeah, tonight is something extraordinary is going to happen here. It is. The Holy Spirit didn't show up just by accident. He came here tonight saying, let's do this. We're going to go back to Bethel. We're going back home tonight. We're going to go back and everybody who wants to can get back and they can get back on fire. They can get back to doing what God wants them to do. You know what? There's many opportunities to serve in this church. And if you say you don't have a chance to do anything, that's all I'm going to say. There's an eye desk. 
And I know y'all have missed this for a while, so get involved. Plug in. Get a small group. Helping Sunco, helping youth. Scrub a toilet. I preached a message a few weeks ago on being a servant. And you know what sparked that message? I'm cutting the grass in front of the church, and one of the church members threw their hands up, hey, as they're driving by me. I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm going to take care of what God's given us. But I just dare to say if his passion, his hunger, and his servant heart was where it needed to be, he might have stopped. Because I knew for a fact he was off that day and he wasn't busy. God's calling us back to Bethel. He's calling us back to where we had our first encounter. You remember your first true love? Do you remember who that first woman or first girl when you were growing up stole your heart? Or man stole your heart? I mean, as for me, there's only been one woman in my life that's my wife. guarantee if you think about that first true love every time you might probably get butterflies in your stomach and you start remembering all the good times you had. And I remember this and I remember that and it was so joyful and what a time we had. So tonight think about ooh, that first time that I met Jesus. What kind of experience did you have? But the thing is, the Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And everything gets better in time. Here's what happens. You left. Jesus didn't. He's waiting on you. He's still in Bethel. That's why He called Jacob back. God's like, Hey, Jacob, you've got to come back to Me. He's not, he's not going to chase you. He's not going to chase you and say, hey, I want you to do this, I want you to do this. Look, you got to come back to me. You come back to me and I am going to show you everything. Jacob comes back. His family gets saved. His whole house gets put into order. And then, the generational blessing came. Stand with Just lift your hands to the Lord. That's what He's calling America. He's calling America back to its first love. He's calling the people back to His first love. He's calling people back to the, the first commandment in first place. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, your soul, and your strength. Where are you tonight? Come on, on the web stream. You just logged on. You just got on. Where are you tonight? Where are you tonight? 
How's your passion level? Somebody got to twist your arm to get discipled, or are you being driven by a love from God? Sometimes we, sometimes the things and the cares of this world and the pressures or pain or disappointment. I've been there. Maybe you have. Maybe you're there tonight. Come on, just come back. Come on, come on back. Come on back. Come back to Bethlehem. this your prayer. some of you recently I uh, saw somebody from our church and they were they were bubbling over and, and, and radiant and I looked at them and I said wow what's going on because I mean you could tell you know what I'm talking about when somebody's really walking with the Lord and they're on fire no matter what their circumstances they just when you get the victory man you got the victory and they just said, I'm just, I'm happy. I know, that's awesome. I said, yeah, I just, I feel special. And in finding out how they got to that place, here's how they got to that place. They began to just get more in the Word. They, they, they got up a little earlier. They, they put themselves in the Word, began to spend time, began to journal again, began to write and spend time with the Lord and worship in the morning and then at night they changed some of the things maybe they were listening to began to not put anything before their eyes that was you know the God of entertainment is a big God not as big as our God of course but I'm talking small G and in the name of entertainment you can get mightily defiled and you think well it's not that big deal it's just you know it's, it's, it's just realistic violence so it's but it really wasn't that bad. I mean, you know, 
I only get a couple curses. And, come on. I can handle it. What you don't realize is it slowly defiles you, your spirit. And you begin to get numb. You begin to get numb and aloof in your relationship with the Lord. And over the period of weeks, maybe, you can end up from being in a place of Bethel, walking with God, hardly wait to the next time of prayer. And you can slowly move to a place of lukewarmness. And then you got to hear a message like this and you go, oh, snap. Got to get back in the Word. Got to get back in prayer. You know, being on fire for God is something you have to cultivate. The world is dark. And you got to be a burning, shining light, but that'll not happen unless you have intimacy with God. God, you got to have intimacy with God. In the, you gotta, how do you do that? You get up and read the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Who is this Jesus? Read it again. Read it again. Talk to Him. When you're waiting in a line, talk to Him. Examine your heart. Be sensitive to His leadings, His stirring. He might want you to drive home a different way tonight. Be sensitive to Him in the supermarket, Walmart. Cultivate. You know, my wife and I have been really busy lately. Yeah, I, I need to take her on. A, I need to go on another day. See, because otherwise, you, you know, sometimes you get like ships in the night. If you get that way with God, then you, you, you know, you can lose the fire. The same thing in your marriage. It's the same thing with God. Some of you are dating God. You should never date God. Put on the wedding band. All, all, all the way with the Lord. Give me your whole heart. Would you be seated for just a moment? We want to receive our tithes and, and we want to take a special offering at the same time. And let me tell you uh, what's happened. Um, some of you are in Sunday morning and so you're aware of it. But we've been contending for a building in Delta Junction. It's a 9,000 square feet, nine acres. And the owner, we've been working with him over uh, really a few years to try to figure out what the price of that would be. And we got it appraised. It got appraised for $145,000, which is a shocker uh, for the owner. Keep playing, man. I'm, 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 I'm like, if I don't hear music, if this music's playing, I start talking, it stops. I, I feel like I tripped and fell or something. I, anyway, we've been there, and Tim and Heidi, Minister Tim and Heidi were there, and, and very difficult building. It needs a lot of renovation. And the owner is um, walking through the best way he would like to deal with the property. But meanwhile, summer's going by. This was our summer. We really needed to get it fixed because... If you have things, how many of you know if your house is busted, you know, and it, and you don't fix it, you just don't want to have any guests. You know what I'm talking about? Is anybody, huh? Okay, so it's like that. The house is busted, and to go there, you really, really, you really got to want to go. Because it's scary. I mean, you could get hurt maybe. <laughs> right? You guys have been living there. They're just full-on missionary mode. 
And we just felt the church is beginning to grow. And there comes moments of momentum in, 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 in the kingdom. And you can get on that wave and ride it. And there's no telling how far you can go in expanding his kingdom. We're... We're on a wave. The church is growing. People are coming. There's influence God has given us on a military base and, uh, and throughout town. And we just thought, you know what? Summer's, past, summer's more than half over. I know that's potentially disappointing for you, but we can pray for you at the end of the service. we got to get in a building because we've got, get, we've got people that want to come. And uh, there's been some different things that have happened in the body. God is looking to us to rise up in this hour in Delta Junction. We have got to do it now. We cannot wait for this building. And so we're renting one in the middle of town. We're throwing up some signs. We're move forward. It holds about 100, and 100 people or so. And are you guys excited about it? All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to receive our tithes, but we're going to take a special offering if you'd like to uh, towards that project, towards moving. We, we're going to secure it. It's $3,000 a month, which is a lot for commercial property but they're giving us a deal for 2200 bucks, which is actually great 4,000 square feet it's a good deal and it's expensive how many you know buildings are expensive alright but you gotta have a building alright but they're all gonna have a Bethel experience and tithe somebody say hallelujah alright good so let, let's receive a, let's receive an offering this will go towards our expenses uh, there to move and to secure that building we're in the final it's, it's ours we just have to sign the paper basically thankful for that. Amen. While you're passing out those envelopes, this young man over here, who are you? Do I know you? Yeah? I got a word for you. Yeah, I do. And uh, here's the word. The Lord from the back, uh, you caught my attention during worship uh, because I see the Spirit of God on you. But the Lord called you Ehud. Do you know who Ehud is? Ehud is a, one of the judges. He was a left-handed man. And Ehud was, you need to go, you need to go write, it, write it down for him, right? Help, help him find it. It's in the book of Judges. And Ehud was used by God to, to kill uh, the king of Eglon, I think, if I got it right. Uh, and he was left-handed. And when, they, when he went through the TSA of the day, he went through and got searched and stuff. Uh, they didn't bother checking because of his left hand. So they looked for a sword on his right, but he was left-handed. And I haven't read it in a little while, so you need to go look at it because it's cool. And he goes in and there was this, you know, this wicked king that was oppressing God's people. And he takes out this dagger left-handedly and buries it in the king Eglon. It's, it's a crazy story. He buries it all the way. The, the, the king was really fat. Don't you love the Bible? The king was really fat, so when he buried the he buried the hilt all the way in, and then the fat went over it. That's that's crazy, isn't it? All right, well, here, here, here's your word. All right, here's your here's your word. <laughs> here's your word. Okay, the Lord has given you some very unique gifts, and you have been through much. The wind of God is blowing on your life. He's going to raise you up in the uniqueness of who you are. And He's going to use you to slay the Eglons of this generation. And there's music that's on the inside of you. I can feel feel a worship music, writing, anointing. You probably play instruments. If you don't, you will. 
There's a music uh, swirling worship that's all around you. Uh, there has been even a, uh, a, a real homecoming for you. <laughs> and it's really glorious. God has given you a new lease on life. It's almost as if you're like the heart attack patient that died but got up. And you're looking at the grass going, Man, the grass is green and the birds are singing. And that is you. And the Lord charges you this day. And I, I don't know where you go to church. If you don't, if you don't have a home church, well, then you make this one your home. If you have a home church and you go there and you get plugged in, because that is the place that you will learn how to use that dagger, the Eglon killing, Ehud dagger. There's a uniqueness about you. I might not ever wear a suit and a tie, but I do believe you'll preach. And I see you leading worship, and I see you preaching, and you have a wisdom, and, and there's a prophetic gifting that's that's about you. There's swirling destiny. I see destiny. And even if you would, even if you, if you hear these words today, you hearken them in your heart. Cut every tie from hell. Come all the way in. God will raise you up and give you a life that you can't. You just can't even imagine what He's about to do for you. It's so awesome. It's really so awesome. The Lord has need of you, son. I call forth destiny and purpose. Faith and anointing. It's a good word, huh? Who is this guy? <laughs> is he yours? Man, I love you. Where are we? Come on, Brother Trent. Come on up here, Minister Trent. You're going to pray. Whoa! Man. I'm a Ehud too. I'm taking that word for myself. Thank you, Jesus. Hold your offering up to the Lord. Ushers, would you come? Come on, let's pray for this. Lord, we thank you, God, Lord, that you never leave us, God. We thank you for the tithe, God. We thank you for the offering. Lord, we thank you that you've blessed us to have jobs, God, that we can give it back to you. Lord, we just thank you right now, God. Lord, bless the offering, bless the gift, bless the giver. Lord, the folks that don't have to give now, God, make a way so they can give it next week. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just go ahead. Hallelujah. Let's all stand as, as you're giving. This ministered to you. This was the word of the Lord for you. If that's you, you know you need to come back to Bethel. Minister Trent, maybe would you come? They're just going to come pray for you. You want prayer? You want to be ministered to? Just want to open up these altars as we continue to worship. It's just 9 o'clock. If you need to slip out, we love you. Go ahead. And if you could do that quietly, we're going to open up the altar now. Come on, some of you need to come back to Bethel. You do that just by a stepping out in faith and say, yeah, that's me. I'm going to get on fire again. I'm going to read my Bible again. I'm going to start to pray again. I'm going to cut cut the cords and move forward. I'm going to move myself away from the mad company that's corrupting my good character. I'm going to move in. I'm going to turn off the TV, turn off the Internet, get away from my stupid phone, and I'm going to go after God. Come on, go after God. This is the season. Amen? You know, the the heart is a tricky thing. 
The heart's tricky. You think you can? Do, we think sometimes we can just let it cool off. You don't know if that thing's going to turn. You don't know which way it'll turn. You, if you're in service tonight. It's a divine appointment. Come right now. Come on, come. Come right now. You want prayer? You need healing? You need a touch from God? The message spoke to you? Come on, come to the front. Come, just take a moment. Return to Bethel tonight. Lord, thank you for what you've done tonight. Lord, bless your people as they go and as they stay. Minister to them, those online, touch them. I thank you that the enemy is defeated. We give you praise and glory tonight. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to continue to worship. Feel free to stick around and pray. Come to the front, get prayer if you like. Or slip out if you need to. We love you. Praise the Lord. Hey, oh, oh, announcements. We have a big 4th of July event. We put up a circus tent, three-legged races, all kinds of stuff for the family. Starts at 4 o'clock at our our, uh, Hatcher's Pass property. Wasilla Fishhook Road to Palmer Fishhook. We're at Tees right there by by the general store gas station. Hang a left towards Hatcher's about a mile and a half. Look for balloons and the orange cone. Four o'clock, bring something to grill. Everybody's invited. It's going to be a great time. We love you. Fireworks, the work, all that. All that. It's going to be great. Happy Fourth of July, America. And God bless all of you. Praise God.